you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, and you're listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. Happy to be here uh, today. Going to talk about a few things. Um, man, one thing is that we have to really be focused on um, handing the gospel down to our children and our children's children. Had an opportunity this morning to speak about generations and how important operating in generations is to God. And we see it all throughout the scripture. I'm not going to talk about that uh, today, but man, as we get a chance to go around and travel uh, different conferences and um, camps and things like that. One thing that I see is that, man, we really need to do a better job of making sure that we are discipling uh, our children in the home. There's no substitute for that. We cannot, uh, outsource that to the church, to the youth group. That is something that God has given us to do. And we have to be the ones who disciple our children in the home. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing, uh, Christian kids, kids who are professing to be Christians who are growing up in Christian homes, but yet on issues of sexuality and things like that, they are very, very confused because they have not been taught what the Bible says about these issues. The church has been um, silent on a lot of these issues. Um, and But the thing is that the children are, are, are uh, at a disservice because of not being taught what the word of God says concerning these issues. You know, you have some uh, children who are confused to who they really are. Uh, some believing that they are homosexual or identifying as different things, you know, and it's like, man, Let's go to the word of God. They would tell you that they believe that the, that the Bible is the word of God. But still on these issues, there's confusion. You know, I'm seeing also a lot of allies to these different agendas. Like they may not be homosexual or they may not be transgender or things like that, but they will stick up for those and say like, man, you know, give approval. Basically, uh, we see in Romans chapter one in the latter verses that it includes those who give approval as also being condemned. It's a serious thing, and we need to take seriously. Even when the gospel uh, is supposed to be given, you, you, you start out in Jerusalem, then Judea, then the uttermost uh, parts of the earth. You start at home. I firmly believe that revival can take place if we would take seriously discipling our children making sure that our families are intact. If we would get more, um, uh, I guess, focused inward on that. And I, am I saying that we don't evangelize the world? No, I'm not saying that. That's part of the Great Commission. But it has to start first in our home. If the people outside of our home, we're ministering to them and they're being saved and, you know, they're thriving, but our home is in shambles, we are failing. 
point blank period. We are failing. And I'm frankly uh, uh, tired of, of, of seeing our young people fall away simply because we're too lazy to do what we're supposed to do as parents and disciple our children. Now, I know that may seem harsh, but man, this is, this is a, a red alert time. There's, there are things that are happening because what we don't, look, we talk about this all the time. Our children are being bombarded with different agendas, things coming from all angles. And if we are not on the wall, if we are not posted up in our homes with the word of God intact, teaching them, they will be a victim to this culture. They will. That the enemy has too many entry points for us to be laid back, kind of chilling out while our children you know, are being indoctrinated with this foolishness. It's foolishness. When, uh, when, when you have people that think that they can be a different gender because they feel that way, man, that's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. And, man, this is not what I was going to talk about today. But, man, just going back to the show that we did yesterday about TikTok, that's just one example. Oversight in our home is, is necessary. We have to understand and know what our children are being exposed to. We have to be ones that will guard. Am I saying that we're going to do things perfectly as parents? No. But, man, let's give it a try. Let's give it a shot, you know. Let's give it a shot. Let's not just, you know, let the enemy just come into our homes, you know, through devices and through all kind of different ways. And we just kind of just lay back chilling. We can't do that. And then we, we, we do that. And then we wonder, like, why? Why is our children? Why, why, why are they coming out a certain way? Why are they thinking a certain way? Why are they displaying these different things and manifesting all of this stuff? We have to look at ourselves. We have to look at ourselves. God has given us the responsibility in our homes to raise up our children. It is not anyone else's responsibility. It's not even the church's responsibility to be the head uh, disciple maker in our home. That's us. We have been called to do it. And so I just want to encourage us that, man, this is, this is our job as parents. If you're a grandparent, you're listening. It's your job as a grandparent. We need uh, intergenerational things happening today. Like all hands have to be on deck. No one can be chilling out just, you know, oh, they're going to get it. No, don't take for granted that because you guys are going to church or, you know, you're sending them to vacation Bible school or whatever it may be, that they're going to get it. It takes hard work. It's hard work. It takes prayer. It takes really setting before them the word of God. Man, it takes true discipleship, walking with them, talking with them, hearing some of the questions that they have, going to the scriptures to answer them. And if you don't have the answer, man, not just leaving it there, say, I don't know, I don't know, you know the answer to this, but search it out. Look for it. You know, research it. Whatever you need to do, go to the scripture, go to your pastor, ask him, you know, oh, look, we have to truly be aggressive about this because the enemy is aggressive. The enemy of our souls, he's aggressive. He don't stop. There's no timeouts. There's no halftime. 
He is on his job 24-7, and we sit back and we act like we don't have a job, that we don't have weapons that God has given us, that we are a, a victim to, you know, what's going on uh, in the world. No, no, not so, not so. All right. <laughs> I'll save that discussion for uh, a later date, but today... I wanted to talk to you guys. Um, it's, it's something that I shared in a Bible study recently. It's, it's the uh, perspective of the believing, the perspective that we have as believers. And in Numbers chapter 13, God had promised to bring his people to the promised land. Like this was something that God had, even from Moses, you know, when he called him out, he was going to bring his people out. Is going to bring the children of Israel out. He delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. He performed great miracles before their eyes. They were led by a pillar of, pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. Amazing things were happening. They were fed manna from heaven. And at their grumbling, God provided meat for them. They got tired of the bread from heaven. And so God gave them meat. You know, as a, it was kind of as a punishment as well, but he gave them what they desired. Now God was ready to bring them into the land that he told Moses. He said, he told Moses, send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. As Numbers chapter 13, verse 2. So Moses went on to do what God said. The Bible says that so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. Very, very important. And then uh, these then were the names. And they give all the names of the men and their tribe. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, from the, the, uh, the, the son of Zechor, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, from the son of, of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Asher, Situr, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Natali, Nabi, the son of Vashbishi, the son of Gad, Guel, the son of Machai. These are the names. So I read these names because specifically the Bible tells us who these men were, who they were, the sons of. This was very important. These were leaders. Remember that leaders among the tribe of Israel. So you had these men that were selected. And they were to go in and spy the land. So these were the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. All right. So notice again that these men were each they were leaders from among the people. 
Leaders are held responsible to guide and to have the proper perspective. If God has called you to lead in any way, you have to have a different mindset from those who are following, right? They are the ones who have vision. Leaders are supposed to have vision, courage, and the ability to execute a task. They have discernment, and generally, they are able to see things that those who are following them can't see. These are leaders. So it's, it was a big deal that these men were selected, um, for they would set the tone for all of the people. You know, a lot of times we want to be leaders. We want to be out front. We want, man, we better count the cost. We better count the cost. Leaders are held up uh, and, and, you know, to, to be responsible for the people who are following. That's why it's so egregious to see pastors that would lead the flock into error. Maybe because of their own desires or people who are teachers teach things that are that they may even know is not right, but because it, it benefits them, they continue to teach. That's egregious. So in the instruction God gave to Moses, he told Moses to send out men to spy out the land that I am going to give the sons of Israel. He, look, it was already determined. This land is yours. Man, from jump, this land was for Israel. So he's just telling you, know, go out and spy it. But this land is, I'm giving it to Israel. God had determined already and had been saying for a while that this land would be theirs, right? First point I want to make when God says what God says, and when he says something, we can trust and be assured that it will happen. We can trust and be assured that it will happen. If God said that this land belongs to Israel. That's who it belongs to. And he's going to make it happen however he choose. So we don't have to worry about, oh, maybe it's not our land. Or maybe, you know, and we're going to see what the perspective of these spies were as they went and spied out this land. These were the leaders. Remember, the leaders. But when God says something, we can bank on it. We can put our full weight down on it. It's going to happen. This is Wednesdays with Will. We're going to be right back after this. We're talking about the perspective of the believing. Stay tuned. Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And that's the Sound of Victory by The Truth featuring Travis Green and Limo Blaze. Um, and today we're talking about the perspective of the believing. The perspective 
of the believing. And we're looking back in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, uh, when um, the spies went out to spy out the land that God was giving them. They already he had already said and they knew this. You got to imagine as the leaders in Israel, they knew that this land that they were going to enter into was the land of promise. That God was giving them this land. So that was another point that stuck out to me. Uh, Moses's instructions to the spies. So the Bible says when Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. You can find that in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17 through 20. You know, <laughs> it's funny because when I read that, I'm like, the things that Moses told them to do was what they would normally do in, in a, a normal reconnaissance type operation. So it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But you know what? God had already said that, th that this land was for them. So none of that stuff really mattered. <laughs> it really didn't matter. It, it really didn't because I look at this and I'm like, well, in this situation, what this did for the spies is really put them in their feelings, like in their senses, what they can see, you know, I man, how does the land look? Is it, you know, lean or fat? Or it really called to attention, like what they saw, which proved to be their downfall. And we're going to talk about that. But I was curious. I was like, why? Man, why didn't Moses just say, well, go check out the land, you know, and um, we're going we, look, we're going to mount up and be ready to take it. You know, uh, uh, why didn't he just say exactly what God said, uh, which was go out and spy the land of Canaan, which I am going I, I am going to give to the sons of Israel. That's all. You know, I, I'm like, that's all he had to say. But it, it's interesting. And I'll get to this. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21 to, I think, about 23, you see that even going out to spy the land was not the idea of God because God didn't need to know what was in the land. Although God sent them to spy out the land, it didn't originate. That wasn't God's idea. We're going to read that. But Moses gave them instructions on what uh, to look for, how to spy out the land. And, and I want to read it again. He says, when Moses sent them to spy out the land, can he said to them, go there into the Negev, then go up to the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak. Man, that don't matter because God is, look, that really didn't matter. And two of, two of those spies understood that. And we're going to talk about that, Joshua and Caleb. They didn't care how strong or weak these people were in that land. Because the land was theirs. Whether they are few or many, that really didn't matter either. How is the land in which they live? 
is it good or bad? Didn't matter. And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or fortifications? How's the land? Is it fat or lean? All those things Moses told them to look for. Now, there are times in our lives when God has already said that this is for us or this is going to happen with us, and we do the same things. We want to do a reconnaissance. We want to, ah, you know, let me put a little fleece out there just to make sure because we're human. And what we're seeing is the human nature of uh, these men. Also, but could it be that this was a testing of the hearts of the leaders? Would the senses of these men and how they felt dominate or would they uh, 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 what they knew about God? What they already had heard from God, would that be what would dominate their hearts and their perspective? Could this be a testing? The way that uh, they were to spy gave room for their hearts to be tested. The instructions that Moses gave them in spying out the land, it really gave room for their hearts to be tested. And there are times, many times, when God will bring about tests in our lives to reveal our hearts to find out if we trust him or if we trust what we see. Now, I want to look real quickly at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, just to make the point that I was making that this initiated with the spies, not with, not with God, because, again, God didn't need a reconnaissance done for this land that he said that he was giving them. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everything that's in it. So he, he didn't need this uh, spy operation. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21, let me get to it here. It says, and this is Moses recounting what happened. He says, see, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Verse 22. Then all of you, all the spies, all the men, then all of you approached me, this is Moses, and said, let us send men before us that they may search out the land for us. So all the people, all the men, all the, the, the people came and said, let's, let's select some men to go out. So this was a plan that originated with the spies and with the children of Israel. It wasn't God. And it said, and bring back to us word of the way by which we should go up and the cities which we shall enter. So the people got together with Moses like, let's send up men to go up and spy the land, and then they can figure out how we're going to go and take this land. Now, God already said that this land was theirs. But see, that's what, that's, this is where they mess up. Want to figure out ourselves. We do this all the time. We want to figure out ourselves how we can make something happen instead of leaning and depending on what the Lord has said. So then in verse 23, the thing pleased me. And this is Moses speaking. The thing pleased me. So the plan which, you know, the people said, let's, let's send out men to spy out the land. He's saying, the thing pleased me. And I took 12 of your men, one man for each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley, valley of Eshcol and spied it out. All right. 
So these men are, this is something that they wanted to do. This is something that the people wanted. So Moses, he said, man, it pleased me. That, I felt like that was a good idea. And it probably, again, was what they normally would do, spying out land. And then Moses gives them the instructions on what to look for. And they'll bring back some fruit and all of that stuff. Again, I believe that this was a testing point to see if their heart truly trusted in God or if it was going to be lured away by what they saw. This is very instructive for us. Man, we can't go by what we see. We got to go by what the word of God says. So then they obeyed, right? So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen as far as Rehob at Lahamet. When they had gone up to the Negev, they came to Hebron and they came to these different spots and the descendants of Anak were there. So they went, to, they went up and they, they began to see people. Uh-oh. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. So they cut down the branch. They, they obeyed. They, they wanted to bring some fruit back. So they, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two men. Now, that, that's, that's some grapes for you. <laughs> with some of the pomegranates. And they brought back some figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. So they did what they were supposed to do. They, they spied it out. They saw the land and they were there and they brought back the fruit. They had, the fruit was so big and nice that they had to carry it on a pole between two men. Amazing. This was the promised land. So they carried out their assignment and they did so thoroughly. So far, so good in doing what they were supposed to do, right? These leaders seemed to be on it. They even got some fruit as evidence they did their show and tell right their show and tell so now as we continue on it's time for the report right it's time for the report and this report was pivotal it was before God's ordained leadership Moses and Aaron and also before all the congregation so these men were not only going to report back to Moses and Aaron they were reporting back to them and the whole congregation. These are the leaders coming back with the report. This is big. So what was reported by these leaders of the tribes would be influential for all the people, even how they would view God. We have to understand that. This report would put the people uh, uh, in view of how, it would set the people's view of how they even viewed God. What was these men, what were they going to say? What was the report that they were going to come back with? Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 to 29 says, And when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. So, man, 40 days. So they did a thorough job, right? They proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and, and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him 
and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. All right. Sound, sound good so far. And this is the fruit. Okay. They did the show and tell. Look, fruit, plentiful, bountiful, nice fruit. And here it is. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the, the side of the Jordan. So again, their report came back at the beginning. It was strong. It was like, okay, we 40 days. And, you know, we brought back the fruit. So they spent 40 days spying out the land. This gave them time for a good assessment of what was there. This was what Moses instructed them to do. These leaders were on task. They had to have the weight of their future posterity on their hearts. Think about it. This is the land that God is saying is your land. And so they, they have children. You know, they have descendants. So they're thinking like, okay, this is where we're going to be for our future generations. This is the land. But it, it has to speak to you that even when they saw Anak and the Amal Am Amalekites and the Canaanites and all these people, that they thought, man, we can't bring our children over here. Man, these cities are strong. They're going to swallow us up. But see, that was their own thinking. That's, this is what they were thinking. And look, me and you, we would probably think the same thing. If God said, all right, I want you to get up now, and you're going to move to Chicago, inner city, to a place I'm going to show you. I've given you this place. You can't tell me in your mind you wouldn't think, oh, man, how am I going to raise my kids there? You know, man, there's so much violence going on there. So these men were human, but in their humanness, they were supposed to bring that to God and say, look, this is the land. What should have been in the forefront of their minds is this is the land that God has said that is ours. No matter who's there, this is what God has said. So the second thing, they followed through and even did a show and tell time, uh, showing the congregation what was there. The third point, they brought their report highlighting the land was definitely prosperous. But then fourth, the fourth thing, nevertheless, this is where the heart is shown. And we see how they saw uh, it was and, and how it dictated their report. How in this moment, the goodness of God and his power displayed on their behalf is nowhere in view. We have to watch our hearts. We have to. Uh, we have the propensity to say, God, I know and see all the fruit and all the goodness and all this stuff that you said. This is a great place. But nevertheless, we mess up at the nevertheless. When God has already said it can't be nevertheless. We have to watch out for the nevertheless. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We're talking about the perspective of the believing. We'll be back right after this.
I know these blessings, they be heaven sent. God making me a better man. Yes, I ain't settling. Oh, miracles keep happening. They keep on. I know these blessings, they be heaven sent. God making me a better man. But I ain't settling. No, no. This is a miracle. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will. That's Aaron Cole with Miracle. So we're talking about the perspective of the believing. The perspective of the believing. And I was saying before the break that we have to watch out for the nevertheless. Um, in the scripture that I was reading, it says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 28 to 29. The spies came back with their report. And they told about all the things, you know, that it's a prosperous land, you know, that they brought back some of the fruit. They said, man, it's, it's, man, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good place. But then they said, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is, is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. So they're like all over. There, there are these strong people. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. But if you notice here, notice the being led by the sense of, of sight. They're being led by what they see, not by what God has said. God has said that this is your, you guys' land. I'm giving this land to the sons of Israel. But they're being led by what they see. How often does this happen to us? And remember, again, I'm going to impress upon this. Remember, these are the leaders. These are the leaders. And in their report, there was no mention of God. If they were to say, nevertheless, you know, these people live here and these people are here and they're strong and this. But man, but our God. Our God has caused us to walk across the Jordan. Our God brought our, you know, forefathers over from the Red Sea, through the Red Sea. Our God, man, there was no mention of that. Yes, the reality was that these people were living in the land. But the, the, the other reality is that this is the land that God said, I'm giving to you. This is the land. So notice the being led by, the, by their sight. So in their report, they took notice of everything Moses said to note. But how did they uh, take note? How did they not take note of God? This is a position of their hearts. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have the word of God. And when God had given his word that this is their land, that's what they needed to go on. The hope was to be in the God of Israel, not in what they saw. But in his word, for sure, these men heard and knew what God promised his people. They experienced his power. They knew. They saw naturally, but not spiritually. They could not see beyond what they could see in the physical. And it, but this doubt that sprung up from these spies, it had to be quieted. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. 
for we will surely overcome it. Man, now you got to imagine. This is amongst the leaders of Israel. And they're all saying, man, you know, there's so many people there. They're strong. They're big. You know, these, these cities are big. They're, they're fortified. There's no way. Man. So what Caleb did was not easy. What Caleb did is what God often calls us to do, right? To have a different spirit. What Caleb did was not easy. You can do only what he did if you have a true confidence in God. That's the only way. Like when I talked about Micaiah, the prophet, (laughs) when the majority was saying one thing, it could be difficult to break rank and say otherwise, especially among other leaders when they're all saying the same thing. And Caleb had the boldness and the confidence in God to quiet them down and say, look, by all means, let's go. Let's take it. For we will overcome. When you're confident in God and what he has said, you can stand strong in the midst of wrong assessments. You can. But you got to understand when you make a stand like that, especially in this culture today. Even among people who are claiming to be Christ followers, there will be some pushback. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. So here they come. So Caleb, instead of. Uh, them latching on to the boldness and the confidence that he has in God, they want to bring it back down. No, no, we can't do it. We're not able to go up against this people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone is uh, in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. (laughs) All of the people that we saw, the men that we saw, again, what they saw in the physical. When they should have been relying on the word of their God. Caleb was different because he had confidence in God. Today, we have to be different, not because we're so strong or so big or so bold, but because we have confidence in God who is sending us. We are in this culture today because God has set forth for us to be born right now. Like my brother Abe said, this is our moment. This is it. So we can stand firm, stand strong, and understand that we can have confidence in our God. No matter what things may look like. No matter what we see. No matter what they're saying. No matter how large the enemy looks. No matter what's happening. And all the demonic activity. Our God, our God is worthy and he can overcome anything that the enemy has set out to do. This is the spirit that we have to have. So the majority pushed back with their evil report and their report prevailed upon the people. See, that's the power of influence and being a leader. These men prevailed upon the people. This can easily happen when our senses dominate our decisions our perspectives they fall prey to our senses and this is what happened 
Their diminished view of themselves was uh, really a diminished view of God. And this is what was spread among the entire congregation. So, man, it's a sad thing. So you have all these leaders of the sons of Israel. Even after Caleb arose and said, man, y'all be quiet and told Moses, look, we can take this land. God will give it to us. They rose back up and gave their evil report and, and it affected the whole congregation. It affected the whole congregation. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33 says, they said, there, are also, there, there also we saw the Nephilim, the, son of, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. Look at this. They became grasshoppers in their own sight. Nobody told them that they were grasshoppers. This was something that was going on in their minds. This was their perspective. God said, I'm giving you this land. They're saying we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And then it said, first it said, we have become like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. How did they know this? See, the problem is, you know, <laughs> they had the wrong perspective. But we know in the scriptures, we can understand that these people in the land, they were scared of the children of Israel. They had gotten the reports about them coming through the Red Sea. They understood what happened to Pharaoh and Egypt. They understood that these people came walking on dry ground through the Jordan. They, they, they were afraid of the children of Israel, but because of these sons of Israel and what they saw and the report they gave, they thought of themselves as small. Man, the people on the other side, they thought Israel was big, not because of who they were, but because of the God who was leading Israel. See, that's a lot of times that's what happens to us. We have these situations and we focus and we look at these situations and not on our God. Not on our God. And we diminish our view of God because of the situations that we are facing. Hmm. So these leaders said that in our own eyes, we have become grasshoppers. And so we are in, in their sight. They had no idea of how these people, these people were viewing them as like, man, they were shaking in their boots. That's why Rahab, when they came to her spot, she was like, look, I'll hide y'all. <laughs> you know, I, we, I know about what's going on. We heard about Egypt. You know, man, look, if you, you just remember me, I'll hide y'all. Like they understood, but they thought they were grasshoppers in their own sight. Leaders have influence and this evil report turned the people from faith in God into despair and unbelief. Also, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers, but this was uh, not actually how the nations in Canaan viewed them. So then you have the fallout. And if I'm not able to, to finish this, I'll do it at another time. But you have the fallout. So we have in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. It says, then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. This is the, this is the um, outcome of the bad report. The congregation lifted up their voice, voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, 
Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Here, here they go again. Or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. See, they were thinking about their posterity, which I don't fault them for that. But you got to rely on on what God has said. If he said that this is your land, he's going to make a way that you're not going to be plundered in the land that he's giving you. So they said our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Oh, return to the place of bondage. Mm. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. And again, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not judging them because we do the same things. The same things. It got so bad. So they said, man, would it, it was better when we were in, in slavery. What? And then they want to get rid of Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, and want to appoint a leader to go back to Egypt. Wow. This report caused an uprising against Moses and Aaron, but more importantly, Against God, against God. But then Joshua, Joshua and Caleb uh, were the only ones with the proper response. They had the proper perspective. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verse five through nine, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land. So they were, you know, they were part of the spies. They tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel saying, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not uh, fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. That's a different spirit. They will be our prey. <laughs> Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. This is the perspective of the believing. Yes, our senses may tell us this. Look at this, hear this, you see what they're saying about you, you hear what they're saying about you, you see how big this problem, the situation is. But the perspective of the believing is that no, God has said that this is our land. It's a great land flowing with milk and honey. And we're not supposed to fear what's in this land. As a matter of fact, what's in this land would be pray for us. What's your perspective, Christian? Do you believe God? What has he told you? Now is the time for belief and obedience. If God has given you something and, and given you a promise. You can stand up on it flat footed. No matter what it looks like, remember what God has said. He said it's yours. So that family member who's unsaved, if God has given you a word that he's going to he's going to save that person. That person who may uh, be ill right now, believe for God to heal. Believe the promises of God. He's worthy of it. 
This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. We'll be back tomorrow, but until then, God bless. <laughs>